Before I begin, I'd like to wish everybody a very happy Easter. Today is the last day of the octave of Easter, what many in the church call the Little Easter. Kind of big Easter was last Sunday. This is a Little Easter, kind of the, a, a, a final way to celebrate the day of Easter. Now we will enter into the Easter season, which is indeed a glorious time, but it's not as powerful necessarily as these eight days, which is representative of one day in Easter. Also, too, I would like to wish everybody a very happy Divine Mercy Sunday. St. Faustina, after having many visions of the Lord, was revealed that this Sunday was to be named Divine Mercy Sunday. And so John Paul II changed the, the title and renamed this little Easter Divine Mercy Sunday. So I want to encourage all of you, we are offering the Divine Mercy Chaplet here at Our Lady Wisdom. The Focus Missionaries will be leading it today at 3 p.m., which is the traditional hour of divine mercy, the hour that Jesus Christ died on the cross. So we encourage you to join us on Facebook, join us with, uh, with your families to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 p.m. So earlier this week, I was in bed with a fever. It wasn't COVID, I was tested twice, both times it came back negative, but needless to say, I was in bed with this fever. Doctors basically called it a flu-like virus. So not the flu, but like the flu. And while I was in bed, not much to do, I ended up stumbling upon this documentary. Very popular documentary. Might have heard of it. It involves tigers, it involves kings. And I decided, you know what, let me go ahead and watch this just to see what all the hype is about. And just to see if maybe with all this hype, maybe there could be some lessons gleaned from it. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't endorse this documentary. It's not a family-friendly documentary. It's not something that you can show kids of all ages. But that being said, there is some insights that you can glean from it, I've discovered. The documentary is about a man named Joe Exotic, an eccentric zoo owner in the middle of Oklahoma, who's accused of plotting a murder against his arch-rival, Carol Baskin and the whole seven seasons are all about everything that goes in between that rivalry between Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin and the whole seven seasons are wrought with murder mayhem and madness as is as it's advertised and so I would argue whenever you watch a documentary like this you are watching one of the craziest crime series you will ever see in your life because you're watching some of the most unique people you will ever see in your life. You're simply not going to come across a crazy tiger-keeping zookeeper with a mullet every day. It just isn't very common. And yet, that's what this show is littered with, characters like that. And yet, as I was watching this show, it dawned on me that this is what the pagan world looked like. Pagan world was immersed in debauchery, saturated in perversion, idolizing money and animals like the golden calf, and stopping at nothing to attain what they wanted, even if that involved murder. That's the pagan world. Disgusting, sick, filled with perversion. And yet that's the world that Jesus Christ chose to become man in. That's the world that Jesus 
wanted to redeem. Those Gentile peoples, the Joe exotics of the earth. The thing is, we see this in the New Testament all the time. I mean, this is this is St. Paul speaking to the Gentiles and Romans. He said, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and their men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error. This is, this, these are the Gentiles St. Paul's talking about. St. Paul in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, lists a whole bunch of Gentile sins. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit. I like that one. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. And probably the most succinct and the clearest is actually from our first pope, St. Peter. 1 Peter 4.3. Let the time that is past suffice for doing what the Gentiles like to do. Living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. Point being, this was a very common lifestyle among the Gentile peoples. Which means that these people were saturated in sin far from themselves, far from God, and ripe to be insulted. Which is exactly what our world does. Now why does this make people right to be insulted? Because sin is absurd. And it's easy to insult the absurd. Which is why I would argue this documentary about tiger keepers in the middle of Oklahoma is so popular. Because it's so absurd. We're enamored by this absurdity. We're, there's something alluring about this darkness. This mystery of iniquity is incredibly profound. And we have the bad habit of watching it unfold like we have the bad habit of watching wrecks whenever we pass by them on I-10 slowing down traffic. There's just this, this, this draw that it has to us, and for some reason, so often, we can't take our eyes off it. And that is the beauty of Christ. Our Lord from the heights of heaven watched as sin took hold of the human race. He watched as, if you will, the Tiger King take effect on humanity within the Roman pagan times. He watched iniquity rule over people's lives. And what did our God do? He decided to act. And instead of condemning the human race, instead of insulting it, he chose to die for it. Giving life to the Joe exotics of the world. That is something the world simply is not willing to do. The world's PCs, people like Joe Exotic, Dr. Bhagavan Anil, and the Carol Baskins of the world, it proceeds to make a mockery of them, turning them into objects for entertainment, while the Lord looks upon these people with the utmost compassion, seeing them not as objects, but people available for repentance. 
which is exactly how we as Christians are called to approach our fallen brethren. Our world demands that we become spectators of their suffering and their sin. Our world demands that you and I cast the first stone. Our world demands that we insult them, that we laugh at them, that we transform them into something that they're not. But Christ asks us something else. He demands something else entirely from us. And he demands that you and I refuse to objectify them, but rather see them for who they really are. Potential saints. That's mercy. That's love. That is compassion. Recognizing that yes, we do wrong. Yes, there are people out there who really mess up. But that does not give us a right to call them names. That does not give us a right to insult them. That does not give us a right to lord over them. No, when we see people suffering, the Christian act is not to lord over them or to bully them, but to save them. To be like Christ and to seek to redeem them. That is the beauty of the Christian message. That is the beauty of Easter. Because what Jesus Christ shows us by dying and rising 2,000 years ago is that he's willing to save not only the Joe Exotics and the Carol Baskins of the world, but he's willing to save us. He's willing to look at you and look at me and willing to offer us a second chance because we've all made a mockery of ourselves. We've all chosen sin over sanctity. We've all chosen darkness over light and we've all condemned ourselves. And the world echoes that condemnation. In the scriptures, Jesus calls Satan the accuser. It's funny because he's the first of the accused, but what does he do? Instead of repenting and giving himself over to Jesus, he instead wants to take everybody else down with him. That's what the world wants to do. They want to just take everybody else down with them. That's what Satan's wanting to do. He wants to just accuse and accuse and accuse. But that's not Christ. Christ isn't looking at us to accuse us. No, Christ is looking at us to redeem us, to give us that second chance, to give us another opportunity to do what? To repent and believe in the good news. And so, my dear friends, on this Divine Mercy Sunday, I want to encourage you from the bottom of my heart to be like Christ, to allow Christ to show you mercy, giving you that second chance, knowing that you have the possibility, the capability to be a potential saint and recognize that Christ is in all the people in our lives that we find annoying, that we find frustrating, that we find difficult to deal with. Guys, Christ is there. And Christ is not looking to insult them. He's not looking to bully them. He's not looking to call them names. He's looking to redeem them. That's divine mercy. And I ask from the bottom of my heart that you and I participate in that divine mercy by praying for them at 3 o'clock and praying for them for the rest of our lives. Amen.